Well, good morning again, family of God. And to all you who are joining on live stream, I know a lot of you are sick um, and at home, so thank you also for tuning in. We're so glad that you're here with us. Family, um, August 16th, 2014, was one of the best days of my life. It's the day that I got to put a ring on Morgan's finger. And John Mark and Jared and Reed and Ever and two of my high school buddies were there watching that happen. And you know who the most beautiful person that day was? It wasn't me. I know you might be amazed. It was Morgan. And in fact, Morgan was so beautiful that tears came to my eyes just just looking at her. That's the way it's supposed to be, is that when a bridegroom sees his bride, uh, his eyes start to water, and there's this marvel that happens. And everybody looks at that groom and says, you did well. You did really well. I think that's a, a taste of what we have here in our scripture today, is that, that what, what God has intended for Redemption Church, what he's intended for you, is that you might shine so that he would get the glory. That you might shine so that he would get the glory. And the way we shine is by beholding the brightness. You behold the brightness, and the brightness begins to transform you from the inside, and you begin to shine. Everything that sees the light becomes light. In this scripture, we're going to start with Luke 2. We meet two waiters. Waiters. Everybody say waiters. Now, I'm saying waiters. I'm not talking about somebody who's, who's like... Serving you food in a restaurant. Talking about people who are waiting. They're waiting for someone. And I want to spend a little bit of time looking at these two waiters who are waiting to see the revelation of the glory of God. One of them is a guy named Simeon. We see him in verse 25. Simeon is a name that means God has heard. Simeon, uh, it says in verse 25, Says there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So Simeon, he lives in Jerusalem. Doesn't say he's a priest. He's kind of just an average dude who uh, who loves God. He's, he calls him righteous and devout. That probably means that that he prays a lot. He's a man of prayer. He's a man of God's word. He meditates on God's word day and night, like it says in Psalm chapter 1. He's a man who probably loves people really well. He listens to people. He has the, the ear of a disciple who so can speak words of wisdom to disciples, like it says in Isaiah chapter 50. He's righteous, which means he, he reflects the righteousness of God. So he probably is a man who goes out in his neighborhood and cares for the poor. He looks after widows and cares for orphans. and He, he clothes the fatherless. He does all that kind of stuff. Uh, he has a reverence for God that expresses itself in sincere devotion for God. That's what that word devout means. He has a, a contrite heart. He hates his sin. 
So he confesses it. He probably is very familiar with Psalms, like Psalm 51. He confesses his sins to God, and he says, God, to you alone, against you alone have I sinned. And he, he tries just to do what God says. In his heart, he really wants to obey God. So he's waiting on the consolation of Israel. That means waiting for God to come and comfort his people. He's waiting for God to send the Messiah to make the world Right. He longs for God's justice and righteousness to fill the earth. He longs for God's peace. He's waiting for the day when, like we heard a few weeks ago, steadfast love and faithfulness meet. When righteousness and peace kiss each other. When faithfulness just springs up from the ground and righteousness comes down, looks down from the sky. He just, he longs for a day when God's hope comes to pass. And he thinks about it all the time. And that hope motivates a service for God. Some of you are like that. You're just you're longing for God to come back. Longing for God to do what he said he's going to do. How many of you can attest to you? You just long for that day. You hope for that day. Zion is in your heart. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. It's somewhat difficult to know what this means before Pentecost, before God poured out his spirit on everybody who trusted in Jesus. Because he hasn't yet met Jesus, but the Holy Spirit's upon him. And we see evidence of God's spirit being upon people in the Hebrew Bible and the Old Testament. We see evidence of that. People like Bezalel, who was filled with God's spirit of wisdom and understanding, who, who God allowed him to do some supernatural work to build in this incredible tabernacle. Or you see people like David, who was, who was filled with the spirit of God. And so he was able to rule with a justice and a might that just didn't look human. It was, it was like God was caring for his people through this person. It was this supernatural empowerment to do what God had called him to do. And that's what it says that Simeon was like. Holy Spirit was upon him. He had this intimate relationship with, with God. And verse 26 tells us that, that actually it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't even die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he had a promise that was given to him that probably wasn't given to any other reader of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, that everything you've been reading about, about this coming Messiah, is going to come true in your lifetime before you pass away. Now, if you might meet anybody who says, I'm going to see Jesus before I die, today I would just say, don't believe what they say. Because it's, it's just, Jesus told not to believe those kind of people. But, but, but this guy had been revealed by the Holy Spirit. He's not going to die before he sees the Lord's Christ. He's going to see him. So Simeon is... Is waiting. Everybody say waiter. Our second waiter we find in verse 36. And this is a a woman who just seems really beautiful. I love to meet Anna. Anna is a word, her name means grace. She's the daughter of Phanuel, Phanuel uh, of the tribe of Asher. We don't know much about about, um, her family other than her her dad's name. Uh, It comes from, it's a derivative of the word like Peniel. Which, which means face to face. It's the, it's the, the town that, 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 uh, was named after Jacob wrestled with God all night. He wrestled with God face to face until he named the town Peniel, and this is the same kind of name. So, so we kind of can maybe assume that, that Anna's family is, is again longing for this. She's a prophetess, which means she's probably filled with the Holy Spirit as well to, to be able to, to speak God's words of truth to God's people and to the world. Anna is a, is a woman, she's an older woman, advanced in years. She's not old, just advanced in years, you know. Um, but she's experienced her, her, her fair share of suffering. 
So she got married when she was a young girl, probably 12, 13, 14. And then lived with her husband for seven years, probably some years of delight, and then her husband died. Doesn't say she has any children. All it says is she was a widow from then until the Greek is harder to translate here. It either means for 84 years, she's like 105, or that until 84 years old, probably that's probably what it means. She's been a widow for a long, long time. She's a widow means she probably didn't have a whole lot of financial means, didn't have a whole lot of recourse, probably didn't have any property. She's one of these people that you have to take care of. But she comes and speaks the word of God, and she lives, she dwells in the temple. She's there all the time. And she's there all the time. She doesn't depart from the temple. She's worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So she also is devout. She's, she's waiting. Says in the verse 38, she's waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And she's, there's other people around her, too, who are also waiting for that redemption. She's a waiter. Everybody say waiter. She's a waiter. Now, if you think about these two people, what they have in common, first thing you would know is that they're not just like uh, religious folk. They're not like hired by a church. They don't like work in the temple. They're not, they're not washing uh, cups and dishes and stuff like that. They're just like regular old people doing their thing. What they have in common is they're everyday people who are deeply devo- devoted to the things of God. They fear the Lord. They care about the things of God. They meditate on his word and they take him at his word. They trust that what Jesus, what God said in his word is going to come to pass. And let me tell you this, Redemption Church, if you, if you, if, if you read the scriptures, you wake up almost every day and, and get time in the word, maybe before you go to bed. You miss a couple days here and there, but you really care about what God says. And you pray for your friends and for your neighbors and for your coworkers and for your friends in school. You pray for them. And you really want them to come to know Jesus. And whenever you hear God say something, you just want to do what it says, man. You try and put apart, you try and put sin apart. You hate your sin, and you and you come to God with your sin, and you and you just you want to live an obedient life. And sure, you fall short, but you you really long for Jesus. You're one of these waiters. You're one of these waiters. Everybody say waiter. And, and what I'm gonna, we're going to get to at the end is, I'll spoil a little bit, is what I think God wants you to do when we go through this text is just to keep, keep waiting. Keep doing what God told you to do. He's going to keep his promises. He's going to do it. What both Anna and Simeon have in common, besides the fact that they're devout, that they fear the Lord, they're waiting for the redemption of, of God's people, is that Jesus comes in their lives. Now, what's cool about this, I think, is that Jesus didn't choose to come in in this case. He's a 40-day-old baby. He just gets carried in. In fact, it's interesting, the parallelism you see at the end of verse 27. It says uh, that, that uh, Simeon came in the spirit into the temple, and the parents brought in the child Jesus. So Simeon was carried by the spirit, just like Jesus was carried by his mom and dad. He's walking by the spirit. I think I need to go to the temple today. Shows up. We don't know exactly how Simeon recognizes this kid. I mean, this is like an everyday kid, everyday occurrence. People come into the temple to present their sacrifices because somebody had a baby, and so they're coming to do the thing. But this kid is different. And I, 
I've been thinking about this all Advent season. Some of you guys heard me talk about it a little bit before. Maybe he meditated on Zechariah 6. Maybe when he heard the word, uh, Jesus' name, when he heard uh, uh, Joshua, Yeshua, Yehoshua, maybe he thought about Zechariah 6 and this promise that a priestly king was going to come, build a new temple, and he was like, this has to be the dude. Maybe it was something else. We don't know exactly how he recognized it, but when he saw this child, when he looked in the face of this particular 40-day-old kid, he starts to sing. Ooh. He starts to sing. He says, Lord. And that word Lord doesn't just mean like the regular old kurios that you read in Greek. This is like the Lord that means like master. Master, now you're letting your slave depart in peace. Uh, I've been doing what you said, but I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to hold on. Just trying to hold on to your promises, God. I believe you. I believe you that what you told me, what you revealed by your spirit is going to come to pass. I'm just holding on. And now he says, Master, the one I'm serving, the one I'm committed to, the one who, the one who's all I've, I've staked in my ear. I am yours forever. You are letting your servant, your slave depart in peace. Now I've got peace that passes my understanding. I am there. Why? Because I have seen your salvation. I've seen it. What did he see in the face of this 40-day-old kid? kid? He's seen your salvation. I've seen it. And you prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. This is the light that's going to reveal God's plans and God's mercy even to the, the distant nations of the world. And this is the light that's going to make your people shine. Can't get enough of it. In fact, he's screaming probably so loud that, that Ma- Mary and Joseph are just like, what? I mean, I know we both heard from some angels, but this is, this is like, how do you know who we are? Where are my name tag? His father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. Man, can you imagine that blessing? I am so glad. God chose y'all to be this dude's parents. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would have felt, must have felt like for Mary and Joseph? Can you imagine what that felt like? Everybody else thinks you got an illegitimate birth. Baby girl got pregnant. Mm. And then Simeon blesses you. This is right. This is godly. You are God's chosen people. And he says to Mary, his mother, listen very carefully what I'm going to say to you. A lot of people are going to rise or fall. A lot of people are going to rise because of this kid. He's going to be a sign of contradiction. People aren't going to know what to expect. And actually a sword's going to pierce your soul too. It's going to be hard for you to watch this kid live his life. Simeon is looking way forward. Maybe, some theologians think, maybe what Simeon is talking about here is maybe when Jesus says stuff like, these are my mother and sister and brothers, Mary's going to have to deal with that. But probably what he's pointing forward to is the cross. You're going to watch your son die as a convicted criminal at the hands of Rome. 
And I don't know what it's like to be a mom. I know a little bit of what it's like to be a dad. And I can't imagine that. And he says, a sword's going to pierce your soul too. Because he's going to expose every heart. Because what God really wants is your heart. Redemption Church, what God really wants is your heart. And even if you're waiting takes you through the path of suffering, what God is looking for is your heart. Is your heart committed to him? Are you bent toward him? Because you can talk a big talk. You know this. Y'all know this. You can talk a big talk, but if, when times get tough, if you're, are, you really, are you really rolling with Jesus? And sometimes he'll bring some suffering in your life just to help you clarify your relationships. To make sure you, that you've really counted the reality that 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 he really is worth being number one and a far above number one. So if you're suffering through something right now, if you're unfamiliar, if you're going through some cloudy days right now, first thing you might want to ask is, first thing you want to do is hold on to Jesus. Say, my soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But you want to ask him, Lord, what are you wanting to purge? What are you wanting to prune? Sometimes the way of obedience is going to take you right through the path of suffering. And it's not because God doesn't love you. It's because he does. He really does love you. He might take you through that. So that's Simeon's response to seeing this baby. Look at Anna's response in verse 38. Anna comes up at that very hour. Can you imagine old Anna coming up and immediately she sees this kid? I can just, just give thanks to God. I can just imagine the first thing out of her mouth is a big belly laugh. Just my imagination. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jehovah. You've done it. My time in the temple was not in vain. And she starts to tell everybody. Have you seen this child? What, the 40-year-old, the 40-year-old will do? Yeah. You don't know what you're seeing when you see him. That is the rescue of all of us. She's heard from God. And she sees something in this child that brightens all of her days. That's Anna. How do you respond to God's salvation? How do you respond, family, to God's salvation? Let's take a few minutes and look at God's salvation. Look at me at Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 and 62 are powerful. Uh, Luke is going to quote the beginning of Isaiah 61 in just a few, just a, a few chapters. He's going he's to have Jesus say, the spirit of God has anointed me because he has empowered me to preach good news to the poor. And in verse 10 of this chapter... We have this speaker. Now, we don't know exactly who's talking here. It could be uh, the, God's remnant of, of people, probably some of Isaiah's disciples who are speaking and rejoicing in God. It could be the, the, the true Israel. It, it could be this messianic figure who's speaking in verse 1. We're not really sure. Most people would say that it's probably the, the Messiah who says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord and my soul shall exult in my God. Because he has 
put on me the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. Just like a bridegroom decks himself like a priest, he puts on a turban like a priest. As a bride puts on jewels, that's how God has clothed me. Now, why would God be putting the garment of salvation, the robe of righteousness, on his servant? Why is he clothing him like that? Why is he filling him with a power that will save? Why is he putting righteousness in his hand? We'll skip down to verse 1 of chapter 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. This anointed one is clothed with the robe of salvation and righteousness. Why? So he can give it away. So he can save the people. So he can give them his righteousness. He can take off his righteousness and clothe them with it. So that all the nations will look. Look at verse 2 of chapter 62. The nations will see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. Who is the you here? The you here is God's people. They will see your righteousness and your glory. You should be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. And you're going to have a royal identity, a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. See, what God is saying here is that his anointed servant is going to come with righteousness in his hand, clothed with salvation to save you. To give you righteousness so that as you live out the love of God in your life, you're going to shine like stars in the universe. And all the nations are going to be like, what is going on in South Oklahoma City? What is going on in the Middle East? What is going on in North Africa? What is going on in Wales? What is going on? And look at other followers of his. And they begin like, what is going on on the east side? What's going on up in Edmond? What's going on in Yukon? What is happening? The poor are being cared for. Kids are being tutored. Schools look different in this part of town. People do their business with, with justice. They don't defraud people in this part of the neighborhood. What is going on? People who have been addicted to things for decades are coming to, to, to find freedom and they're celebrating their recovery. What is happening? They're going to give glory. This must be a work of God. And look at verse 11 of Isaiah 61. As the earth brings forth its sprouts, as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before the nations. You know who that is? That's you. That's you. Praise him. Keep being obedient. It may not look like much, but righteousness and praise are sprouting up before all the nations. That's a good word. That's a good word. And you know what? What how 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 creation's gonna respond to that salvation? Look at Psalm 148. I'm just going to read a few words. Praise. 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 
That's the appropriate response. That's fitting, isn't it? But just imagine this. Let's just take one of them. Verse 8, 7 and 8. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. The tornadoes in Oklahoma that have caused devastation to thousands will be seen to have rejoiced at the revelation of God's kids. The strong winds that we run from today will be evidence that God is a faithful God. He's going to redeem it all. And he will bring from ashes beauty, praise, righteousness. All of creation will rejoice. When they see who you are, look at verse 14, because he has raised up a horn, strength for his people, praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. For all those who trust in him, for all those who draw near to him and are drawn near to him by his glory, his praise is going to erupt from all of creation. Because God's going to change you and transform you. Because you're the sons and daughters of God. That's the fitting response. That is the appropriate response to God's salvation. I want to close this morning by looking at two other waiters. They're in Luke 2. One of them is named. In verse 34, we see her name is Mary. The other is unnamed. We know his name because Luke has already given his name. His name is Joseph. Look at them. You can see them in verse 22. It says, when the time came for their purification, they brought him up. And you can see it again in verse 33. His father and his mother. Now, Mary was visited by an angel named Gabriel and told that she was having, she was having, he said in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 and 33, that this son would be named Jesus, he would be great, he would be called the son of the Most High, he'd be a king in the line of David, he would reign over God's true people forever. And here's what's interesting about that. When we look at Mary and Joseph, they're not very impressive. You notice that? They're not very impressive. That's probably the most impressive thing about this story. They're not very, they're not very impressive people. Um, in Luke 2.24, when Luke tells us they're going to bring a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, what he's saying is he's cluing us into the fact that they're they're pretty poor. In Levitical law, back in Leviticus chapter 12, you can go back and read that God tells his people what to do when you have a kid. If you have a kid, the fitting response to the miracle of birth, the appropriate response to getting pregnant, making it through pregnancy, giving birth, especially in a time before modern medicine, but even now, was Thanksgiving. How many mamas can say amen? A couple would go up to Jerusalem, to the temple, and make a sacrifice. If they had means, they would bring a one-year-old lamb, and they'd bring a turtle dove or a pigeon. The one-year-old lamb 
would have been a burnt offering of thanksgiving, and the turtle of a pigeon would have been a sin offering of purification. If you didn't have enough money in the bank for a land, you could bring two turtle doves or two pigeons. And that's what's happening here. So a sacrifice of praise was all that was necessary. Just the acknowledgement that God brought you through. So Mary and Joseph did that. In fact, through the darker passage, we see what's clear is that they probably didn't know how to give their son a throne, which would have been, which would have been promised. But what they did know was just to do what God told them to do. Just do that. And over again, over and over again, that's what they did. They just did what God told them to do. Look at how Luke emphasizes their obedience. Look at verse 20. According to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Verse 24, according to what is said in the law of the Lord. Verse 27, according to the custom of the law. Verse 39, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. Over and over again, Mary and Joseph are just doing what God said. It is doing what God said. And because of their faithfulness, our first two waiters see the answer to their prayers. Our first two waiters give thanks to God. Our first two waiters receive God's peace before they die. Our first two waiters see God's salvation. They see God's redemption. Just because Mary and Joseph are also waiting, they got a promise from an angel who said, you got a special son. They're like us. They're like, yeah. And Mary's like, okay, do it just like you said. And what do they start doing? Just doing what God told them to do. Say, go to the temple, I'm going to go to the temple. Say, bring a lamb, can't afford that, I'm bring a turtle dove. Bring another turtle dove, okay, I'll do that too. We're going to do what you said to do. And because of their obedience, God's salvation is revealed to the world. Redemption Church. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Amen? You're going to be told on Facebook tomorrow or Instagram or TikTok, whichever is your social media of choice, that you need to have a word or a vision from God about what's going to happen next year. And most of you aren't. You know what? That is totally okay. You know what you should do? Just do what guys had to do last time. Just keep doing what God said. Just keep doing what God said. When you fail and mess that up, just keep doing what God said again. Keep doing what God said. You know what that, you know what that, you know what the Bible calls that? The fear of God. It means you value him more than you value your own will. Just keep doing what he said. Trust him. You're trusting that what he said is going to come to pass. And that makes you a waiter. And what God's going to do through you, if you just keep doing what he said, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just keep doing it. 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 You mess up, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Not because you're trying to earn God's favor, but because you have it. Just like Simeon, he's, he's, he's devout and righteous because he already knows what's coming. He's just doing it in response. It's the preview. I'm being a sign of the kingdom. It's coming. I'm trusting it. I'm going to keep living like it. Just keep doing that. Because God has saved you. He has clothed you with salvation. Keep practicing righteousness. Keep loving your neighbor. Keep serving the poor. Keep teaching the Bible. Keep being faithful in your workplace. And you know what? God's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do what he said. And we can take him at his word. And if you do that, you're going to shine like the stars in the universe. Because nobody else has a God like that who keeps his promises like that. 
the word I want you to leave with this Christmas family is see Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus because he's going to finish what he started. And even though that sword is going to pierce Mary right through her soul, it's also going to be the very sword that's going to vindicate her in front of all of her enemies. Because God is a redeeming God. He's going he's to conquer the enemies through his own death. He's going to take on himself the penalty that we all deserved. And because you trust him, you're going to be clothed with his salvation. You're going to shine like the stars in the universe. So just keep trusting him and keep doing what he said. If you do that, you're going to see God's salvation. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, I thank you so much for... Uh, Jesus, who before he could even walk, before he could even talk, before he could even eat by himself, do anything but swallow, he was already saving the world. He was already the sign that your victory was already, already here. And yet through his coming and through his obedience and through his, his, his work, his death on the cross and his resurrection, we have salvation. We can walk into every place like Simeon did, full of your spirit. I pray for my friends and for myself. Help us this day. Help us today, today and tomorrow and, and Tuesday and Wednesday to believe what you said and just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And I pray as we do that, God, we'd experience your victory. We'd experience your salvation. We'd experience your righteousness. Bring your word to fruition, we pray. In Jesus' name.